Coming up, a message from the pulpit of Bethel Primitive Baptist Church in Calabash, North Carolina, by Elder Michael Goins. For information about Bethel Church, please visit our website at BethelPBC.us. My subject for this morning is Traveling Light. On this last Sunday of the year, and as we embark on a new year, I want us to think about the importance of casting our burdens on the Lord Jesus. And our text is Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We visited loved ones over the holidays, and they have recently moved into a new house. And the husband was commenting on what a mammoth and monumental project it is to sort through all of their possessions, decide what they still needed and what they could live without and transition to a new location. He said it's amazing how much stuff a person accumulates in just a few years. He added, I'm of the opinion that people need to move every so often just to get rid of all the stuff that they don't need and to simplify their lives. Now that's easier said than done, isn't it? But the idea is certainly relevant and pertinent. You know, the word stuff is a Bible word. Thirteen times the word stuff is used in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and in the New. I've used the word since I was a boy, and I was glad to find out that it's biblical. I did an internet search recently on decluttering and downsizing, and there were over half a million hits over half a million places I could have gone to find information on decluttering and downsizing our lives. It does happen before you know it, doesn't it? You accumulate stuff in just a very short period of time and you say, where did it all come from? I need another storage room to put it all. <laughs> yes, we want to simplify and streamline our lives, but it's not as easy as it sounds. It's not easy, first of all, because life operates at such a frenzied and frenetic pace. I mean, everybody is crazy busy. And when we do have a few days that afford us an opportunity to slow down and to sort through the rubble, we're so exhausted that we just can't muster the energy to get through it all. That's one reason it's not easy to declutter. There's another reason because to sort through the sheer volume of possessions that a person accumulates over a short period of time is just, again, a mammoth project. I find myself in life repeating the words of Jesus from time to time, Luke 12, 15, where Jesus reminds us that a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things that he possesseth. Those words echo in my mind as I think about sorting through the rubble of all my stuff. And there's a third reason that it's difficult to declutter and downsize, and that is that it's not easy to decide which items you need to keep and what you can release, especially 
When a person has been through a significant trauma that has led to attaching a special emotional significance onto certain things in his or her life. Several years ago, I reached a point where I felt like I had lost everything. Lost my home, I had lost much of my material possessions, I'd lost a number of my friends, and I found myself, the few things that I did still have, I found myself singing the song, these are a few of my favorite things. You remember that song? Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. When I'm feeling sad, I simply remember my favorite things and then I don't feel so bad. Yes, indeed, when you've been through a significant emotional trauma, the things that you once thought were just common things become some of your favorite things and it's hard to get rid of them. It's a real challenge to travel light, isn't it, so far as material possessions are concerned. But it's even more challenging to travel light so far as the burdens of life and the spiritual pressures are concerned. I borrowed my sermon title this morning from a book by popular Christian author Max Lucado, Traveling Light. And Lucado talks about how challenging it is each day when we get up to resist the urge to pick up luggage, the luggage of discouragement, the baggage of worry, the backpack of hurts from the past. And he says people carry all sorts of luggage. He talked about a play that he watched in which two people came to be married. And the husband was dressed in his tuxedo but he came with a backpack on and items on his shoulders and suitcases in each hand and, you know, bags hanging on every appendage. And he was thinking, finally, I found a wife who can help me bear my burdens. And then the wife came and she was dressed in a beautiful gown and looked like a lovely bride. But she, too, had all sorts of bags hanging from every arm and leg and neck, every appendage, and she's thinking, finally, I've found somebody who can help me bear my burdens. But when it came time for the husband to kiss the bride, they couldn't reach each other because of all the baggage that separated them from each other. And indeed, we all bring our personal baggage, emotional baggage, right, into every scene of life. And as you and I think about traveling light, I love Lucado's definition. He said, traveling light means trusting God with the burdens that you were never intended to bear. I want you to notice an interesting verse in Genesis chapter 45. For this is the section of the narrative in which Joseph is in Egypt, second in command, and he has revealed himself to his brethren and sent them home to tell his father Jacob to load up and to come to Egypt and I'll take care of you. It's a time of famine. It's a time of great need and extremity. And I love Joseph's words in Genesis 45, verse 20. He says, tell your dad this, regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. Now, if Jacob and his large family is going to move to Egypt to be taken care of by Joseph, you would think that it would take several U-Hauls, if not tractor trailers, 
to pack up all their cattle, all of their possessions, all of their livelihood to make this relocation. But Joseph says, don't think about your stuff. Leave it. For the good of the whole land of Egypt is yours. And as you and I think about moving into the future, my friends, you say, Brother Goins, I'm carrying so much baggage. The luggage of hurt and the luggage of disappointment and the burden of guilt and the pain of grief and the backpack of anxiety is weighing me down. And I'm afraid. In fact, the biggest piece of luggage I have is fear. And all of my luggage exceeds the weight limit to get on the airplane, you know. I just don't think I can face tomorrow. Well, my friends, the words of Jesus are very apropos then this morning. Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, you who are weary and burdened with the pressures and the burdens of life. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to extract three important lessons from our text this morning. First of all, this text teaches us that Jesus intends his followers to travel light as they go on their pilgrimage through this world. He intends for us to live as relatively burden-free as possible. Now, do you travel light as a rule? I know my family and I pack the kitchen sink when we travel. <laughs> I mean, everybody has three bags and two carry-ons, you know, and you say, I needed more than I've got because we anticipate every potential happening or circumstance, every eventuality, and we want to make sure we're not ill-prepared. But Jesus says, regard not your stuff. Instead, the good of the whole land of heaven is before you. God is on your side. Instead of burdening yourself down with these physical, material, or spiritual, emotional burdens, he says, you bring them to me and trust me to take care of you. Now, this is advice Jesus gives not only in our text, Matthew 11, but in the previous chapter. Matthew chapter 10 is the commission to the twelve. In which he said, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, nor into any of the city of the Samaritans. Go ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And listen to this advice that Jesus gives his disciples as they go out to preach. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So you bring a message about heaven into a secular environment. Sow the seed of the gospel message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Remind people that there's more to reality than just what they can see around them. He said, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. And there's the great motivation in ministry. God has been so good to you. Now you devote your life freely to his service. And then listen to Jesus' counsel. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. He says, don't worry about your financial livelihood. Don't empty your accounts and carry your money. With. He says, don't worry about paying your way, nor brassing your purses. And you say, well, this sounds irresponsible to me. But listen, they had a task to fulfill, a task that related to the next world. 
And Jesus said, I want you to go out preaching and serving me and don't think about your material livelihood. He says, nor provide script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves. Now, he didn't say don't take any coats. He just said don't take extra. For the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go thence. And when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And notice Jesus says, I want you to travel light, right? Don't carry extra money, extra clothing, extra baggage, extra provisions. He says, for God will take care of you. Now, that's the commission to the 12 in Matthew 10. If you go to Luke chapter 10, you have the commission to the 70. So now his preachers are more numerous, and he sends them out. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 3, we read similar words. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Now, I'll tell you, it requires courage to be a Christian in the modern world. As our world becomes more anti-Christian, anti-God, and in fact, more secular and man-centered, and in many cases, even brazenly devil-worshipping, God's people are sent out by the Lord to spread this good news in a world that is antagonistic to the claims of Christ. They're like lambs in the midst of wolves. He says to his disciples, Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. What should they carry to survive the mission that they've been sent on? He says, carry neither purse, nor scrip, nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. In other words, this is urgent business. And he says, into whatsoever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if the son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. In other words, if they're willing for you to stay, you stay. And you keep preaching. And you keep ministering. And the Lord will take care of you. Now, this idea of traveling light, then, is taught by Jesus. Come to me with your burdens, and I'll give you rest. They didn't say there's, it's not a burden at all to follow the Lord, for he goes on to say, take my yoke upon you. There is a yoke to be borne. The word yoke, of course, speaks of a burden. Some of you have grown up in an agricultural kind of environment. In fact, most of us who are over 40 years of age, I guess, remember when America was predominantly agricultural. It's an agrarian culture. And we've probably all seen when a farmer would hook two oxen together with a yoke. You know, these heavy wooden bars around the neck to hitch them together. That's a yoke. Now, a yoke is heavy to bear, but Jesus said, my yoke is lighter than the world's yoke. Serving Jesus Christ, my friends, is easy compared to the alternatives, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. But Jesus is saying, I want you to travel light on your pilgrimage. Don't carry extra provisions. What he's saying in these two passages, Matthew 10 and Luke 10, is you don't have to anticipate every eventuality. You don't have to prepare for every conceivable scenario. Instead, hold to this world with a loose grip and don't worry about putting your roots down too deeply in this world. 
Now, it's a fact, and those of you who are 60, 70, 80, I should have said those of us, who are 60, 70, 80 this morning, would tell the young folks, life, again, comes at you fast. It is brief and uncertain at best. Life passes so quickly. The Bible tells us that our days are like a weaver shuttle. You ever seen a person weaving cloth and how quickly the loom, the shuttle moves back and forth to weave the cloth? The Bible tells us your life is like a vapor that appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. Life is short. It's brief. The psalmist said, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And because life is so quickly gone, it's important for Christian people to think of themselves as pilgrims and strangers in this world. Now, I know it's easy to say this is my old home place. My family's been here for 50 years or for three generations or whatever. And you say, my roots are down deeply. But the fact is our lives hang by a fragile thread, right? So the best way to live life is to say, I'm living for the next world. Paul said it like this, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It didn't mean he despised life. You can enjoy richly all things that God has given you. He's given it to be enjoyed. And it's not wrong to enjoy every part of life, your home, your vehicle, your children and grandchildren, your job, the people around you, your friends. It's, it's good to enjoy life with a cheerful attitude as we go forward. But understand, dear friends, that the things of this world, moth and rust corrupts them, right? They wear out and they're soon taken away. And many people don't anticipate that. And the best way to live life is to live it like a pilgrim traveling through this world without being excessively encumbered or burdened down with all the luggage and baggage that we tend to accumulate. In fact, Hebrews 12 verse 1 is teaching this very thought when he says, seeing we also are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If you're going to run a marathon, you don't want to wear your sweatsuit and your ankle weights and your wrist weights and carry your Samsonite suitcase with you, do you? In fact, you want to shed as much excess weight and things that will hinder you and weigh you down as you can. He says, if we're going to run this race set before us with patience, it's a marathon race. That means with perseverance. In other words, it's not a sprint. Anybody can be a Christian for a week or for a month, but it's a long distance race in serving the Lord, going through your life, trying to prioritize the Lord and his kingdom. And he says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Think about this verse in regard to the next year. 2024 is set before you and me. The next year faces us with new and encouraging vistas. Perhaps you say some ominous vistas, and it may be a challenging year, culturally speaking, in our country. Very well may be. But I'm saying as you think about it, dear friends, let's run this race that is set before us with patience, steadily, consistently set a pace like a marathon runner and then he says lay aside every weight travel 
as lightly as possible. That's the first lesson from our text. Jesus intends his followers to travel light on their pilgrimage through this world. Secondly, let's ask the question as we think about our text this morning. What is the secret to a light-hearted, unburdened life? And we're given a clue in the text when he says, bring me your burdens and then take my yoke. Here's what it means, and here's the secret to traveling through this world in a light-hearted and unburdened way. The secret is, learn to exchange your burdens for his. That's the second lesson to be gleaned from our text. When he says, come to me with all of your burdens, then he says, take my yoke upon you. What he's saying is, I've got a burden for you to carry, but the burden of serving me is lighter than the burdens that you've been carrying in your life. So exchange your burdens for mine. Indeed, my friends, we need to learn to cast our burdens on the Lord. Listen to this verse from Psalm 55, 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Now, what a tremendous promise that is. Perhaps I'm speaking to somebody here this morning whose heart is heavy, whose mind is in a whirl, whose life is as entangled as a backlash fishing line. And you say, I don't even know where to start to try to sort through all of these problems. I feel intimidated as I think about tomorrow. Well, Jesus says, give that burden to me then. Instead of you carrying it and worrying about it, give it to me and Take the other burden, my burden, which is light upon you. Exchange your burdens for mine. For mine is an easy yoke. My yoke is easy. Now think of that big wooden beam again on the neck of oxen. He says that wooden beam that looks so ominous is it's an easy yoke. The Savior's easy yoke. In what sense is his yoke easy? Well, negatively, it's easy by way of contrast. The burden of following Jesus is easy in contrast to the burden he bore that you could never bear. You know, he bore a burden that you and I should have borne, but we couldn't. You know what that burden was? Our sins. Jesus bore the burden of our sins. And that's a burden that you and I couldn't have borne. We sing a song sometimes, must Jesus bear the cross alone? Well, you answer the question. Must Jesus bear the cross alone? The answer to that question is yes and no. (laughs) Yes, there is a cross that he alone could bear. And that's the cross of Calvary, my friends. When he suffered as the sinner's substitute, you couldn't have atoned for your sins. I couldn't have atoned for my sins. I couldn't have saved myself. I can't save others, much less myself. And you can't either. That's a burden, my friends, that is too heavy for us. But Jesus bore that cross and he bore it all alone. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So any burden that he calls upon you and I to carry in this life is light in comparison to the burden that he bore on Calvary, right? Also negatively speaking, it's an easy yoke compared to the heavy yoke of the legalist. In Jesus' day, the Pharisees bound heavy burdens, he says in Matthew chapter 23, verse 4, which they themselves would not lift with their little finger. He says they imposed upon other people heavy burdens. He said if you want to be holy and righteous, then you have to tithe to the 
smallest spice. You get your mint and cumin and oregano and your mustard and you get all of that and you separate exactly one-tenth of the grains from the rest of that spice and you devote that as a tithe to the priest. You think about how much time that would take. It's time-consuming. It would take uh, good eyesight. I'd need not only my glasses, but I'd need probably a magnifying glass too to sort through it all. And then about the time you get through counting and you, somebody asks you a question, you're distracted, you have to start all over again. That's a heavy burden. The legalists, though, the Pharisees, said if you want to be holy, you have to do everything perfectly. Check all the boxes. Do everything just right. Because anything worth doing is worth doing right and worth doing right the first time. The legalist. Well, Jesus' yoke is light in comparison to the heavy-handed Pharisees. Peter said it like this in Acts 15.10. He said, Why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither we nor our fathers were able to bear? Now, th there were people trying to get the early church to go back to the Judaistic law. They were saying you have to not only believe in Jesus Christ and follow him, but you have to keep the law of Moses and be circumcised. And Peter stands up and he says, Brethren, this is imposing a heavy yoke which we weren't able to bear in the past. Neither we nor our fathers were able to bear. And he said it's not the liberty and the freedom that the gospel message brings. So the yoke of Jesus is light compared to what the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders imposed on the people. Negatively speaking, thirdly, it's easy compared to the heavy burden of living for self. You know, the person who is imprisoned in the dark little dungeon of his or her own ego, who's living for self, who's ready to defend his or her touchy honor every time somebody even looks at them improperly. They hear a rumor that somebody said something, well, I'll set the records. The person, my friends, who is consumed with me, my, mine, and is not thinking about others, oh, my beloved, what a heavy load that is to carry in life. Because everybody's not going to treat me like I think I need to be treated. And everybody's not going to do how I think that they should. And everything that is said is not necessarily a personal slight. And even if it is, I suggest if people knew me like the Lord knows me, they'd say worse. And the same is true for every one of us, no doubt. Oh, my friends, Jesus' yoke, living for him is easy compared to the burden of living for old number one. On a positive note, his yoke is easy because it's reasonable. That's what he says in Romans 12 too. It is your reasonable service. Come offer your bodies on the altar of Christian service. Lord, here I am. Take my hands and use them. Take my mouth and let it sing praises. Take my mind and use it for your glory. Take my feet and send them on errands. Lord, I offer my body a living sacrifice. Here I am, Lord. Take me and consecrate me to thy service now. He says, for that's a reasonable service. And that word reasonable is interesting in Romans 12 too. It means logical or rational. It means that in light of what he's done for me, it is not too much to ask that I show my gratitude to him for all of his grace and mercy. That's reasonable. You see, that's rational. It makes sense. In other words, serving Jesus is simply a response of gratitude to his initiative and grace. And therefore, 
his yoke is easy because it's reasonable. It's also easy because he always balances his exhortations and commandments with a promise. You know, it was the hard taskmasters of Egypt that said, make bricks, more bricks, but they wouldn't give the provender the straw necessary. You know, if bricks are going to stick together, they've got to have some rebar inside, right? They've got to have something inside to connect to so that the brick will form. But the Egyptian taskmasters cracked the whip and told the Israelites to increase their quota of bricks. In fact, twice the the measure that they were delivering, increase your quota, but now you can't do it with any straw. You've got to figure it out on your own. My beloved, that's an unreasonable request, isn't it? But notice when the Lord gives a commandment, he always adds a promise to it. He says, uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And here's the promise, that it may be well with you. That is, there will be benefits to doing what God said. Did you know there are always benefits to what God says to do? He tells us to live with an open hand, give of our substance to the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, for God, here's the promise, is able to make all grace abound toward you. God will take care of you. Every time he gives a command, he tells us that I will take care of you in the midst of it. 1 John 5, 4 says, his commandments therefore are not grievous. They're not burdensome. They're not too heavy to be bored because the Lord who commands us to do certain things also provides the grace and the resources necessary to accomplish our mission. And then finally, his yoke is easy because he carries the bulk of the load. Remember I told you that a yoke connects generally two beasts of burden together? Well, if Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, it's his yoke then what does that mean? It means he's on the other side of the yoke, right? So as you pull the burdens of life, he's pulling with you. And the point is, he's carrying the majority of the weight. I love the line in that hymn that we sing, Jesus is the best of all. The line says, he bears my heavy load and pays the cost. Now you talk about a double portion. Not only does he carry the heavy part of the load, in your life, but my friends, he pays the fare. He pays the cost. What a good God. What a merciful master we serve. The hymn writer says it like this. Come ye weary within. Are you burdened and weary today? Are you exhausted? Is anyone tired and fatigued in soul? He says, come from the burdens of sin, for our Savior has promised you rest. Yes, his burden is light, and his yoke brings delight, and each effort of love shall be blessed. So we've asked the question, what is the secret to traveling light? What is the secret? Exchanging your burden for his. You have your burdens, give it to him. And leave it there. You know, there's another hymn by Charles Tinley, the old Methodist preacher, that said, take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Now, that's our problem, isn't it? We go to the Lord in prayer. We say, oh, Lord, oh, I've got all these problems. My kids, my family, my finances, my job, my, these people that I'm having to deal with, and Lord, my health, and Lord, I'm just so worried. But then we get up from our prayer and we think, well, I don't know that it did any good. And we go away as worried and burdened as we were when we came in prayer. My beloved, believe him. Trust him. He said, come to me. Cast your burdens on the Lord. I can bear them. His shoulders are mighty enough or broad enough 
His arms are strong enough. My friends, it's nothing to him. And he says, instead, you focus on serving me in your life and bring your worries and cares to me. You say, Brother Mike, that's not so easy. I know. That's why the Christian life is challenging. I think it was the intellectual G.K. Chesterton that said, uh, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. It's not easy, is it, to sustain this mindset that says, I'm going to leave my cares to one who can handle them. That's why we need to be reminded of the truth on a regular basis by coming to the house of God, right? We need to hear this. I know I do. I need to be reminded what he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I need that reminder on a weekly, if not a daily basis. Indeed, my beloved, the Lord is capable, and he's, he's good for his promise. He'll do it. So you take your burden to the Lord, leave it there, and you say, well, does that mean I'll just sit back and enjoy life? You can, but you put him first. You take his yoke upon you and enjoy serving him. Make that your number one priority, and he'll take care of the rest. This is the secret to traveling light, and Jesus intends for us to live our lives like this. As our text indicates, finally, our text shows us the result of bringing your burdens to Jesus. He says, and you shall find rest for your souls. Now, insomnia is one of the biggest problems across all demographics in our society today. Young people struggle with it. Older folks struggle with it. My problem is that I sleep when I should be awake and I Stay awake when I should be asleep, but I mean, it, we all have trouble resting, don't we? But here's what Jesus promises. I think of the things that I need the most, that probably most people I talk to need the most, it's rest. Not just physical rest, but certainly spiritual rest, rest in our souls. Just to release our burdens to the Lord and to find the peace that passes all understanding. And I'll tell you, the secret to doing that is leaving your burdens and cares to your good shepherd. You know, the 23rd Psalm, a passage of Scripture that's been rubbed slick as a mink, but oh, it is so wise, so full of wisdom, and so important for us. And as I get older, it means more and more to me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. What's the thought in that verse? Rest. Leads me beside the still waters. Not the raging rapids, the calm waters. He leads me beside the still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, I'll tell you, most animals are pretty good at sleeping. Dogs are pretty good at sleeping, aren't they? I mean, they get plenty of rest. And if you lived seven years to every human, what human's one year, you'd probably need more rest too. Cats are professional catnappers. They know how to rest, don't they? You know, if you've been around a cat, you know they don't get too uptight about anything. Most animals are pretty good at resting. There's one animal that can't rest unless the conditions are perfect. You know what animal that is? Sheep. Sheep are constantly anxious about potential predators around. If a sheep is hungry, it can't rest. If a sheep is troubled by bugs, you know, pests, it can't rest. 
You know what is needed in the life of a sheep for it to be able to rest? A good shepherd. And when the good shepherd has provided something to eat, and when a good shepherd is there to watch for the predators and to protect the little lambs from danger, and if the good shepherd is there to anoint the head with oil so that the pests, the bugs, don't fly in their ears and their nose and their eyes, if the good shepherd is on the job, rest is the result. The sheep doesn't have to carry that excess baggage of worry and anxiety. My beloved, bring your burdens to the Lord, to Jesus. He will give you rest. Psalm 37, 7 puts it poignantly. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Now, where's your rest to be found? In the Lord. It's as you think about who your God is and what he's done for you and what he's promised you. As you preach the gospel to yourself or remind yourself of who he is, and you leave your future into his hands, wait patiently for him, fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. I don't know about you, but this verse breathes a sigh of tranquility to me. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Don't fret over those who are bringing wicked schemes to pass. There are people in this world who are plotting with evil design, very sinister and ungodly things. But I'll tell you, my friends, as much as it concerns me when I think about who my God is, I can rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Hymn number 169 in our hymnal says, There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where sins cannot molest near to the heart of God. Hebrews 4.9 says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Did you know there's a resting place for you in this world? There's rest for the weary. As the hymn writer says, there's rest for you. You know what it is? The place of his rest is in fellowship with Jesus Christ in his church. Come to me and I will give you rest. One of the problems in our lives is like the folks in Jeremiah 50 verse 6, we forget our resting place. God says, my people have been lost sheep. They've wandered from mountain to hill. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have forgotten their resting place. I ask you this morning, have you forgotten what gives you true rest spiritually in your life? It's right here. I, I seldom feel as happy and as free from burdens as I do when I've been reminded of the truth of the gospel and heard these wonderful hymns of the faith and been in the presence of God's people. That's my resting place. Get close to your good shepherd. You'll find rest. And once you've remembered your resting place, then return to it. Psalm 116, 7, Say to your soul, Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with thee. I wonder today if you can say God has been so good to me. The Lord's taken care of me through this past year. Well, my friends, if he has, return to your rest, O my soul. Stay close to Jesus as you face the unknown tomorrow and travel through this next year light and unburdened. It's possible through the strength of your good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Hear the blessed Savior calling me oppressed. Holy 